For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. Just uh, just got started on my almost three-hour drive back from Blaine, Washington. Did a show at the Simiamu Golf and Country Club. Simiamu is a, uh, I believe, a Native American tribe. Uh, Blaine is not. Blaine is an old Native American word that stands for a giant truck with Trump flag. That's not true. little humor. It's kind of a hack joke that people do as they, uh, comedians, you know, they travel the country and they go like, oh, I was in filling the blank town. That's a old native word that means trailer park or something like that. But can I tell you one that makes me laugh? Uh, La Quinta. That's Spanish for next to Denny's. All right, that, that one's pretty solid. Because there uh, often is a Denny's next to La Quinta. I misjudged that crowd a little bit uh, at the Simiamu Resort because it's like a pretty highfalutin, a pretty fancy area. I don't know what normally goes on in that building, but they, they did have a sign on the back of the stage that said 2022 President's Cup meeting or something like that you know literally on the golf course when we got there there was this drunk table of golfers they literally I I was uh, waiting for the show to start for 10 minutes and uh, that table was so drunk they broke two different wine glasses I'm like oh are these guys going to the show we're in trouble and then I went into the showroom a little older like, ah, that's not going to be that fun. But they were fine. They were a good time. Uh, thank you. And welcome to the 2022 Annual General Meeting President's Cup. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I assume a timeshare is involved somehow. <clears throat> so, a vacation is an investment. Some of you already fell for this scam. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are here. I already, I've been here one time before, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say the same thing I said last time. Like, where, where did you guys come from? Do you live, do you live here, like somewhat in the uh, uh, property, the compound? You do. <laughs> Behind one of those gated things that I. Okay, I'm gonna adjust to my gated community material. You know what, you guys, a vacation is an investment. <laughs> I just realized this the same. Um, 
Thanks for being here. They say the better the show, the closer to an active sprinkler you will be. So we're killing it! Uh, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, how much did the show cost? I want to know how funny I have to be. I didn't know it during the show, but there was a table of uh, drunk elementary school librarians at the show. And no one gets fucked up like teachers. They actually uh, came over after the show. You know, uh, you may or may not know I sell a book available on Amazon or uh, at my shows called There's No Fucking Way You're Getting a Pony. And they came over to see if they could have my book in their school libraries. I was like, no, I don't think you can. Not unless a drag queen reads it. That's what I told them. And then while... One of the librarians was talking to me. Uh, another librarian. I, I hear from the stage, the show's over. Show's over, but from the stage, Mike is still on. I hear uh, a drunk lady. Kill him softly with his song. Kill it. She's just singing. It's uh, acapella karaoke from a drunk elementary school librarian. good time. She had a snort. She was a snort laugher, which she always, uh, always feel like you level up a little bit when you make someone snort as a comedian. No, don't be ashamed of that snort. Let it fly. <laughs> it's not your problem. It's their problem. <laughs> Although the only problem with the snort laugh is then you hear it and then when you don't hear it, you're like, oh, you don't like that one? That one wasn't snort worthy. Also, I think she said she lived in the gated community. I didn't. I don't like you live in a gated community on a beautiful golf course next to the water in Canada on a elementary school librarian salary. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these librarians are cleaning up. Northwest Week, I also did a show at the in Bremerton, Washington. I also did a show in Tualatin, Oregon. Uh, podcast listener Dave was there. Probably he has seen me probably more than you, listener. <laughs> He's seen me a lot of times, but uh, he was there. And, uh, you know, he did something that I hope catches on. He gave me the gift of liquor. probably going to have some when I get home. I believe it's called uh, The Famous Grouse? Is that what it's called? I think. I actually had a, I had a little a sip or two a couple nights ago. It's good. It's very good. Uh, thank you. I was talking to Dave and his, uh, his bride, his lady. We were chatting away and I was very embarrassed because all of a sudden his wife goes uh you got a little something on your nose. And the little something I had on my nose was a booger. Why is it so gross to be a human? Just trying to have a nice conversation with a booger on my nose. Son of a bitch.
show and toilet went all right, I guess. Uh, you know, it's a rowdy bar. But Booker was like, you want to come back in three months? And I said, no. <laughs> no, I don't. But six. Hit me up at six. Three months? What am I, what am I, the, uh, the house band at this bar and grill? got to give me time to write a couple new jokes and you time to forget the old ones. You know what, Dave? You should have taken your liquor back. You should have been like, no, you don't deserve the famous grouse. You booger-leaking moron. Give it to me. Taking it back. My wife and I did a couple of things this week we don't normally do. No, not that. It's not our anniversary. Uh, one, we went to a high school football game. Um, yes, I'm legally allowed to go to a high school football game. Why would you say that? Uh, yeah, my both my daughters wanted to go to the high school football game. We're kind of, you know, my son is sort of, uh, well, very introverted and not that social and so, you know, we, we didn't get the normal high school parent experience from my son. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we got a ninth grader who is not an introvert. And so she's like, you know, she's going to the homecoming dance. She wants to go to the football games. All kinds of shit's going on. And my sixth grader wanted to go too. So we went to the high school football game. Uh, I went to Capitol High School. My kids go to Olympia High School, but it's the same stadium. They share a stadium. Uh, and so, you know, I've been there a bunch when I was in high school, when I was <laughs> in the band. Uh, our, you know, I play, most, most of the time I was the snare drum is what I played. The school fight song has a snare drum solo beginning. And I, I remember, I think I was a sophomore, and I had won the audition amongst the drummers to play the solo fight song intro. Uh, it kind of went like this. they played it on a snare drum not a steering wheel but we didn't have a very good football team so I was all hyped that I had won the you know I won the audition or whatever uh, and if, if memory serves uh, I believe it was the fifth or sixth game before I got to play the school fight song because we played the fight song after a touchdown and it was the fifth or sixth game uh, home game at least until we scored a touchdown and I got to play the fight song I don't really know how good the Olympia High School team is uh, they lost that game you find yourself thinking different stuff when you watch high school football as a, a 48 year old man 
a lot of a lot of times when you see uh, young people younger than you, when you get older, you're like, oh, they're so little. I had the exact opposite thought, where I'm like, everyone on this team is giant. I don't remember the football team being this big when I was in high school. I don't know if it's uh, hormones in the milk or what the fuck's going on, but there's some big boys on that team. But a couple people got injured. Hopefully they're okay. But just when you see someone, you know, the play's over, they're down on the field, they have to get helped off the field, they can't put weight on their foot. I'm saying, I don't, I'm not thinking high school thoughts. I'm not thinking, oh no, what if he's out for the season or he can't come back in for this game? I'm thinking, oh man, I mean, you get a bad ankle, that's the rest of your life. You'll be 48 and you'll be able to tell when a storm's coming in because of your high school football injury. Also, I did not I did not know that uh, the labor shortage had affected high school marching bands, but the Olympia High School Band, uh, quite sadly, only had like 30-something people. I mean, you couldn't even hear them. They, mar- they were out on the field at halftime. You couldn't even hear them. There wasn't enough of them to, like, form a letter. A lowercase i, maybe? Maybe the O for Olympia? They could have done an O. That's about it. I mean, similar-sized high school, Capital High School, and I think I think when I went to high school and I was in the band, there was, like, 80-something people. I think it was, like, 32 were in the Olympia High School band. Maybe COVID was a long enough break that people were like, you know what? I don't want to be a band dork. Fuck you and your clarinet, mom. I'm out. You know who should drink more than elementary school librarians is like middle school band teachers. I mean, they they could torture terrorists with a middle school band concert. Just, oh my god. I got talked into helping out a middle school band once because my sister-in-law was playing piano for like some play. So I, I, got, I, I played drums for the play, but on the way to play the drums at school, I would have to hear the band was like right before us, and I would have to hear that band. And it's not it's not that they were bad, it's just that's what you sound like in 6th and 7th grade. I believe they were playing the uh, Indiana Jones theme song. Yeah, this was a long time ago. But I have never heard the Indiana Jones theme song the same way because I always hear it through the filter of that high school band, not even high school, junior high band that I had to hear, where it's just like, awful. I was in middle school band. I thought we were good. We weren't. 
middle school band concerts where I was like walking back to the family van like fucking killed it put a little respect on my name mom and dad I just did a cymbal crash kind of where I was supposed to in the percussion section we weren't good and orchestra's even worse holy shit a sixth grader on violin like a herd of feral cats dying. Shout out to uh, middle school music instructors. You're doing God's work. Also shout out to them because they're deaf now. They can't hear. They would like to hear but when they close their eyes to go to bed at night, they hear the ringing of Indiana Jones in their ears. Like if Indiana Jones was on heroin during his adventures. Speaking of cats, uh, I have two. Look, I love my cats. Don't tell them I said that. Part of the purpose my cats serve in my life is I, I get to say things to my cats that you can't say to people. Like, if you have the right tone, you can call a cat a dumb piece of shit. They don't. I mean, I think a cat knows when you're mad at it, if you're yelling at it, but if you just go like, yeah, you're so stupid, aren't you? Yes, you are. They don't know. One time, I did that to my kids. They still talk about, no, I've never done that to my kids, but. It's kind of fun to have a thing you love in the house that you can also go like, God, I hate you. I mean, you can say that to people, but there's a lasting impact. Not really with cats. Also, if I did, like, if I was mad at my wife and I was like, God, I hate you, and she got mad at me, I couldn't be forgiven by giving her cat treats. Sorry I said that, but these are salmon-flavored, so I think that'll make up for it. I love my cats. We're a cat family, okay? We're a cat family. I know I'm not, I don't got any problem with dog people. I like being able to go on vacation. That's my thing. I like cleaning the turds out of a box every day or two, or week or two. I'm busy, okay? I'm editing videos. I have a life.
maybe that's the quote. Or maybe the quote was like, dogs think you're... Maybe the quote was, cats know of the existence of God. Dogs think you are the God. Something like that. Anyway. Dogs are eager. You know? Dogs are like, holy shit, you're home. How long were you gone? I wasn't sure you were coming back. Cats are like, I'm not even going to look up. Yeah, I guess you're home. Whatever. How about a couple salmon-flavored treats? When a cat shows you affection, it's like you won something. You're like, oh shit, I got a cat on my lap. Let me pet it while it purrs before it turns on me and takes a bite out of my hand. It's not a healthy relationship, but I like cats. But Buddy, which is the name of our younger cat. Look, it's not a great cat name. I, I'm not thrilled I have a cat named Buddy. But if it wasn't Buddy, it was going to be S'mores. And I'm like, I can't have a cat named S'mores. Especially if you're like yelling and trying to get it back in your house. S'mores! Here's S'mores! neighbors are like, is that a safe word? S'mores? S'mores! No s'more, please. But buddy, uh, he hurt himself. I don't know what he did. He was limping. We took him in. They, see it, they said he had some sort of puncture wound on his foot. Like, uh, I don't know, probably from an animal. He had a couple scratches on his face, too. It could be, like, uh, even a bird beak could have pecked him. A rat could have bit him. Another cat could have bit him. And so he, uh, he had, like, a wound that they cleaned up and sealed up. He's still limping around quite a bit. We can't let him outside, so he just howls until his painkillers kick in and then he sleeps. I mean, cat, a normal cat acts like they're on painkillers. A, a normal cat's day is like the worst case you've ever seen on intervention of someone addicted to Oxycontin. He just sleeps 20 hours a day. wakes up and yells at me. He's acting like a domestic short hair. So I guess he's getting better. Uh, he also got diarrhea from the medication, which look, buddy, I've been there. You know what I do though? I go in the toilet. I don't kind of go in my litter box and then spray it on the wall like a lunatic. Well, one time, but that was different circumstances. But this is the thing. I love my cats. But it cost $1,500 
dog's leg fixed up. And I feel like he owes me. But that's not an emotion you can get out of a cat. They don't understand guilt. My other cat, Don, who's very old, he's 15, he almost died a couple times. I spent four or five grand on him in the past three years. I just spent 1500 on Buddy. Like, holy shit. I want her to be like, yeah, I have explosive diarrhea because I'm on medication, but I'm going to make sure and get it in the box because they just spent $1,500 on me. It would be rude to spray it on the wall, but he doesn't. Little asshole. $1,500 bucks. Damn. Like, you wouldn't buy a cat for 1500 bucks. I bought a cat for like 80 bucks. That's how they get you with cats. They're practically free. And the first repair is like... Way more money than you would have ever spent on one. If three years ago someone would have said, hey, do you want two cats? Besides uh, litter and food, they're also uh, gonna cost you about six grand over the next three or four years. I would have been like, no, 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 I'm good. You could get a goldfish for like $3 at Petco. I'll stick to those. What are you going to do? Not get their leg fixed? <sighs> anyway, if you want to buy my book, there's no fucking way of getting a pony. Uh, it's on Amazon, and 100% of the proceeds go to save the limp of a domestic short hair. almost bought pet insurance after uh, the last time we spent a lot of money and then I kind of did the math on it and I'm like man it's gonna not really gonna be worth it unless something serious happens but I think it would have been worth it <laughs> oh well the other thing my wife and I did this week that we don't normally do no not that we did try that once but we both didn't like it uh, we went to a rock and roll concert, which sure, we used to do quite a bit. We were both uh, Olympia, Washington punk rock kids back in the day. Uh, but we went to, uh, actually on a Monday night, a school night, uh, we went to see uh, Bikini Kill in Olympia, Washington. This is a probably very niche or niche, I don't know how people say that. It's a, I don't know, the people listening, uh, you know, perhaps you're not familiar with uh, early to mid ninety, early to mid-90s uh, indie rock that came from Olympia, Washington. But Bikini Kill, uh, you know, kind of a big band at the time. 
they kind of started, helped start, like, the, it was called the Riot Girl Movement. They talked about girl power before the Spice Girls stole it. Uh, but what's weird is, like, they were popular then for a punk band. I mean, how popular, you know, how popular is that? But they're way bigger now. Like, they sell out theaters uh, everywhere they go. So that's a, that's a very odd thing when a band 30 years after they were a band the first time is now touring again, but, like, way bigger than they ever were. I'm not exactly sure how that happened. Uh, I mean, there was a doc- there's a documentary on Netflix about the singer, Kathleen Hanna. can't remember the name of it. It's good. Maybe that helped. Uh, their song Rebel Girl is in Guitar Hero. Maybe that helped. I don't know. It's like, it's weird. It's like their legend just kind of grew over the years. So, like, they came back to Olympia to do a show where they were from. But, like, a way bigger show than they would have done at the time. The first time. So, it was it was fun... And it was a good time, but it was also odd because it was either people around my wife and I's age who were kind of trying to <laughs> sort of recapture our youth. Like, hey, this would be cool to go see this band that we used to see. Or it's people who missed it the first time. Uh... And a lot of people who, you know, a lot of people, like, brought their kids. In fact, my wife went again. We got free tickets uh, to go because, uh, well, uh, the opening band was uh, the sister of Bikini Kill's drummer, who we went to high school with, and so she got us tickets. That band is called uh, Hurry Up, and they were good, too. Yeah, we went to, like, the drummer for Bikini Kill is Toby Vale, or sister's Maggie Vale, or I think they, I don't know, maybe they got married, they have different names, but, like, we know her, we went, they were, her and my wife are really good friends for uh, a long time, so, it's, uh, that's why we got tickets to that, my wife is, went to a different concert tonight, brought my daughters, uh, and there was a lot of that, there was a lot of, like, really young girls there, which is cool, I mean, you know, I think it's cool my daughters can go see, like, a girl band do stuff. Maybe they don't see girls do normally. Like, you know, be in a rock band. Do cool shit. Representation matters. I'm pro Black Little Mermaid. (laughs) Can I tell you the tweet I took down? can't remember the exact wording, but I said, uh, it's a cartoon. Who cares what color the Little Mermaid is? But in real life, if someone identified as a fish, I'm pretty sure they would be white. Uh, I only left it up for a couple minutes. Not that it was controversial, but I was just like, I don't, 
I don't know. I don't need to say that. Not that people are going to get mad. Not that I meant anything. Sometimes I just get like... I know I'm a comedian, but it's almost like... Do you have to have a take on everything? Like we're all monologue joke writers. For a late night talk show. Like, ah! You hear about this? Uh, Black Little Mermaid. Anyway, I took it down. But... So yeah, Bikini Kill. A lot of like... Very young people. A lot of very old people. That part was funny to me. It was like... You know, there was a little bit of a... A little bit of a pit was happening. A little bit of a... You know, people are bumping and smacking into each other. It was a girl pit. But still... There's the... You know, there's some... Uh, jumping around and banging into each other. <laughs> and uh, I was next to my wife and uh, our friend who... Uh, unfortunately got hit by a car a couple years ago while jogging. So she has like a replacement knee with a bunch of pins and metal in it. And I'm like watching this pit and I'm like, oh, don't, please keep your knee out of this pit. Which isn't a thought I had uh, when I went to concerts in my 20s. Uh, I also never thought, I hope we can sit down. Is there sitting during this concert? I hope it's over at a reasonable hour. These are never things I thought when I used to go to concerts, but I do now. Oh, I hope it's not too loud, I thought to myself. But I had this thought while we were watching Bikini Kill, and it was great. It was fun. But, like, it's... Again, it's either people who are trying to recapture our youth... Or people who missed it the first time, so they're trying to see, like, some sort of a legendary thing happen. So, no, it wasn't of its time. No one was there at the... I mean, we were all there. But we were all trying to recapture something we had missed. Which you could say of any band, probably. Any, you know, there's always some band in a casino that's like... Foreigner! And then in parentheses, it's like, well, just the keyboard player, but he bought the name, so it's still Foreigner. Of course, if you go to that concert, you're probably trying to recapture something, you know? Like the time you knocked up your girlfriend after prom in 1979. You're trying to recapture something. You could say that of any music that's been around a long time. But it felt, it felt a little different because it was like punk rock music. I mean, I saw people wearing shirts that I wanted to pull them aside and be like, when's the last time you wore that shirt? You don't, you don't normally wear a Fugazi t-shirt and I can tell because you don't fit into this medium anymore. There were people who definitely pulled some Chuck Taylors out of the back of their closet that they wore to that concert, even though they know good and goddamn well they don't have the proper arch support for your 52-year-old feet. And in a, in a weird way, I almost, I shouldn't, I don't feel bad for Bikini Kill because I'm sure they're, you know, they're 
anytime you, you you were in a band that probably started in like 1992 or some shit and people still care now that's amazing but they're in their 50s and like they're not it's not like they have a new album or anything so they're just playing all their old songs from the 90s and some of the like you know like the preamble to a song it was literally like this song is from a poem I wrote in high school but you know they're like in their 50s and they they're almost like trapped they have to recapture the same feelings they had when they were 21 now in their 50s And it's not, like I said, it's not really that sad because people were having a good time and I hope the band's having a good time. But it kind of, it made me appreciate stand-up comedy a little bit. Uh, I mean, I guess the negative is no one really wants a stand-up comic to do the same jokes they did 30 years ago. For the most part, people don't go to a stand-up comedy show and go, God, I hope they don't play any new ones. If there's a bunch of new jokes, I'm going to hate it. I mean, that does happen a little bit. I hear it quite a bit. I wish you did this joke that I don't do anymore. But what I do appreciate about stand-up comedy is, like, it lets you get old. And you can get old and play music. I'm not saying you should quit but you know trying to <laughs> trying to recapture youthful rebellion in your 50s is kind of weird I mean if you're a comedian in your 50s you're like hey I'm in my 50s here's some funny shit about it you know the worst comedy it's trying to be cool. Music is cool. But a comedian trying to be cool, that does not age well. I mean... That, that age is like Andrew Dice Clay. Which, don't get me wrong, people still love the guy. But it's like he's trying to be cool. And so to me, it's like really dumb and embarrassing. Hickory dickory dog. Oh! all that shit it's like that's not that doesn't age that well and I appreciate about stand up comedy is it does let you age not that like as I get older I want to do all material about how old I am or like back in my day you know these kids today are soft our playgrounds were made out of cement. Which, you know, it's true. I don't want that to be my entire act, like nostalgia, but it's still, you can, like, do jokes about whatever you are. You can do jokes about your age, and if you do them well enough, people of any age will laugh at them. So it made me, I was thinking, I appreciate that about stand-up comedy. I'm not trying to recapture anything. I don't have to write jokes now 
that remind people of the jokes I wrote when I was 26, which is, I, that's when I started comedy at 26. And that's another weird thing about watching that band is like one of the, you know, I don't know how many people are listening or even familiar with them, but kind of the cool thing about punk rock and especially uh, Olympia, Washington punk rock, which was like a famous scene at that time, is it's like really sort of rudimentary. No one was like a maestro on their instrument. That was like, you know, the cool part about it is like, <laughs> it was like very DIY or yeah, you can barely play the bass, but start a band. And there's a little bit of that to Bikini Kill, but it's also like, as you're watching them play all these songs, in my head, I'm almost like, yeah, but you guys have been playing 30 years now. You should be better at your instruments. But the reality is, I'm sure they are. But they're still, they're playing the songs they wrote 30 years ago. And again, to reiterate, it was a, I had a great time. It was really fun. I'm glad they're doing what they're doing. But it did make me think about aging, you know? The singer Kathleen Hanna, she used to live right next to uh, Pizza Time, where I worked. Because when it's time for pizza, it's Pizza Time. Uh, but she lived, she's still, she's married to uh, a Beastie Boy. one. Ad-Rock. I'm sure that's not what she calls him around the house. I think his name's Adam. <laughs> Ad-Rock, did you take out? It's recycling tonight. Did you take it out, Ad-Rock? He's like, A to the motherfucking D. But they would, uh, he would come in and get pizza sometimes for pizza time. And I, I, I remember uh, someone I worked with was like a giant Beastie Boys fan. And uh, she like saved, <laughs> she saved like the ticket from his order. And I have thought about that over the years because there's not, it's not like he signed it. She didn't keep a credit card receipt. It was just a thing that said like whatever sausage and mushroom pizza for Adam on a piece of paper and she kept it like what are you are you gonna show that to people later like that's Adam That's he's from the Beastie Boys she's probably boring her kids right now with that story like, so it's also very weird because Like my daughter, my nine, my not nine-year-old. I don't have any nine-year-olds anymore. My ninth grader was like totally psyched to go to the Bikini Kill concert. She's not like familiar with their songs, but she's familiar with like sort of the infamy and legend of them, I guess. And a lot of her friends are the same way. And my wife and I realized that our kids are like sort of exaggerating stories from my wife and I about how much we knew like Kurt Cobain because people still talk about Kurt Cobain obviously uh, 
young people talk about Kurt Cobain. And if you were in the Olympia music scene and you were older than my wife and I, everyone knew Kurt because he lived here and, you know, every, you know, why wouldn't you know him? It's not like it's a giant music scene. But, like, my wife used to go to uh, her friend Maggie's house and sometimes Kurt would be there hanging out or sleeping on a couch. That's her Kurt Cobain story. Uh, I uh, was in a band that had a storage unit and uh, Kurt had a storage unit there as well. He was already famous by this point, but like he came back and got all his stuff out and he like gave us a bunch of shit, like a broken stereo and a broken lamp. and That's it. That's my whole Kurt Cobain story. And then my wife and I kind of realized, oh, I think our kids are like, they're like bragging about us to their friends. Like, yeah, my dad got like a lamp from Kurt Cobain. I'm like, oh, guys, we got to ease back on these. <laughs> oh, Kurt? Yeah, we were tight. The one time we met. I mean, I guess it's cool your kids are trying to brag about you. But at the same time, you're like, let's not make up lies. Courtney Love was there, too, uh, at the storage unit. And she, like, very snottily said to us, you're not writing a book, are you? Which, uh, I think at the time, an unauthorized biography had come out about Kurt and Courtney, and I don't know, they weren't happy about it. Uh, but no, Courtney, we weren't writing a book. I wasn't writing much of anything, because I had just dropped out of South Puget Sound Community College because I was pretty sure my band was going to make it, too. I remember thinking Kurt was very small. Could have been the heroin. Uh, say what you will, it's a decent diet. Uh, and then I also remember thinking Courtney was very beautiful. Like, she seemed like a person who had to work very hard to, like, almost ugly herself up professionally. Like, when I saw her in person, I was just like, oh, she's like a beautiful woman. Uh, those are my, uh, those are the two thoughts I had. That's what's funny about time, though. Is I go... You know, my, my kids are, like, bragging that... Kurt Cobain gave me a lamp. He actually gave it to the bass player in my band, uh, Kelly. He's dead now. Comedy podcast. Uh, and I was like, I, yeah, I was like, hey, don't exaggerate. You know, I barely, that's the only time I ever met him. It's not like we were friends or anything. And I was like, he was actually there with Courtney Love. Do you, have you ever heard of her? No. She was in the band Hole? No. That one didn't survive. kids aren't still wearing whole t-shirts. But I guess because he died, you know what I mean? That keeps the uh, keeps the legend going or whatever. But You know, it's funny, a lot of bands, like, as they age, you're like, I like their early stuff, but, like, what chance do they... 
you know, I'm, I'm not in a band, but I'm aging. Like, you change. You know? No one really discovers really aggressive music at 50. No one in their 40s is like, you know what I just got into? Death metal. Yeah, I used to be into U2, but... Now I wish U2 sounded like this. But I still find what I'm looking for. You get mellower as you get older. You know, it happens to me too. I still listen to uh, aggressive music, but I'm also like... You know what I've slept on most of my life? James Taylor's got some bangers, man. I have seen fire and rain. James Taylor, you bring up a good point. You mellow out as you get older. You don't drink PBR next to a bonfire. You sip wine or whiskey in your backyard gas fire pit. while you listen to James Taylor, you have thoughts like, you know what? I wish we had a gazebo. Gazebo rock. Is that a genre? Sort of the backyard of yacht rock. Gazebo rock. I mean, I don't have a backyard gazebo. We do have a little fire thing. But I don't. I don't have a backyard gazebo, but if I drink enough famous grouse tonight and just sit in a lawn chair in the middle of my backyard, it'll feel like a gazebo. You know, if you're 21, you might be limping because you got your foot stomped on by a boot when you were in the pit at a rock show. At 48, you might be limping because you had too much to drink and fell out of a hammock in your backyard while you were listening to the Doobie Brothers. Taking it to the streets. Oh, shit. Oh, oh. your body falling apart, it's actually kind of fun getting older. And if you're, you know, if you're older than me, you're like, 48's not old! I know, but the only people who say that are old. I know, someday I'll wish I had a 48-year-old body. Also, I had a 48-year-old body when I was 38, so I was kind of ahead of the game, but it's just easier. Just easier to get old mentally. You just care about so much less shit. You worry less about what people think of you. In your 20s, you like things and you don't tell people you like things because you're like, that's embarrassing. Especially if you're like, we're in a music community where you're like, you know, what bands you liked was like your personality. 
had to be like obscure weird shit I almost like every kind of music now I'm not saying I go deep on every kind of music but whatever you got country I get it I'm old. Uh, last week, I, I, I mentioned that uh, I did a show for cops. And uh, I, I joked on stage that, you know, I was joking to someone in the crowd that they were undercover. I joked that I looked like I was an undercover cop. I talked to a guy after a show, after the show, he got out his phone to show me he was in the 70s, the late 70s. Uh, he was an undercover cop. He, he got out his phone to show me pictures. And, I mean, it kind of looked like me. I'm going to be honest. I didn't really think that was my look, but I kind of look like I got broke up a drug cartel in 1979. Like I got special accommodations from the force because I got some junk off the streets. But I'm not about that life anymore. Now I just sit in the backyard listening to gazebo rock mostly glory days by Bruce Springsteen and then I yelled at my daughters put on Nirvana and while I sip whiskey under my breath I say Kurt and I were best friends. Every time I turn on a lamp and nothing happens, I remember our friendship. Mom, Dad's in the backyard sitting on a lawn chair yelling again. Let him finish. Kids, who wants to hear me play my high school fight song? 